this is The Huddle. You've got a former college athlete, a professional athlete trainer, and a sports nerd who says some words. Spend their Friday afternoon talking all things sports. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome, everybody, back to The Huddle. I am your host, Spencer Huddleston. Guys, I'm sitting across the table from two world-class athletes, so y'all probably don't know this life, but several average Joes out there have been looking at the vest section of their closets <laughs> longingly for the last several weeks, and we've made it. We're in Chunky Boy season. Man, How y'all I'm doing? I'm with you, man. Broke out the flannel today, man. I'm, 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 I'm full on fall. We're feeling good. A vest is like a really good, strong safety. Like, it'll erase a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> so with me this week, as always, I've got Brad Weems. Brad, there's been a lot of injuries in the NFL that have been attributed to field quality in the field turf out in the NFL. Uh, you are a known horticulturalist, a master <laughs> of your yard. How do you keep your boys from tearing an ACL out in the yard? Well, if you ask my wife, you apparently got to go to Top's Shoes over in Asheville and spend about four <laughs> to $500, and then we are A-OK. Wait, is that, that makes the lawn better? Oh, well, the lawn, uh, <laughs> you know, let someone else manage it besides myself. Oh, so, there you go. Outsourcing. There we get go. it. Uh, with me also is Greg Hoffman. Greg, it's been a huge couple weeks for NASCAR. We got a dirt race. We got the Bubba MJ stuff. Y'all doing big things. We uh, we came off our night race, had the the biggest crowd since the, the pandemic has hit with over 30,000 fans in attendance. And just the amount of energy that 30,000 fans can bring to an event was, was noticeable, was nice to see. Um, and then, as you said, big news just rolling out since then. Uh, the Jordan news, I think, will be a uh, benchmark moment in the sport, in the future of the sport. I mean, when you think of somebody that iconic uh, that is still one of the most recognizable men in the world, and, you know, you, you look at the eyeballs that uh, Last Dance brought. Yeah. And, you know, just any news uh, that he brings to the table to the sport, uh, I think from, a, from an eyeball standpoint and a fan perspective, from a sponsor standpoint – uh, you get somebody that's uh, successful on the track like Denny Hamlin. You'll have, a, am sure, some sort of side alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing, one of the best racing organizations in the, in the country, in the, in, the, in the sport. And then you're going you're gonna to come back with MJ and you know, his business acumen and, and popularity uh, and throw in you know, one of the most popular or polarizing um, drivers in the sport right now, Bubba Wallace. And you, you kind of mix that stew together. And uh, I think they're going it, to, it's going to take the NASCAR world by Lifetime spin. race fan in Jordan, too. That's kind of surprising. Yeah. He, you know, Brad Darty is, uh, is involved in the sport, been involved in the sport for a long time. But those two had a, a NASCAR bond from, from their childhood. So, you know, stories of uh, Jordan's dad taking the family on uh, weekend trips to see races. So it's, it's been in his, uh, been in his DNA. And he's, uh, Developed a friendship with Denny Hamlin over the last five, six years that, uh, that's, that's blossomed and, and pulled that together to where we are. And then you mentioned the dirt race. So, you know, we, we covered Bristol and dirt in, uh, 2000, 2001 and ran world of outlaws and dirt late model racing. And, uh, so it's been an idea and a, and a, and a dream quite frankly for, for a long time. And then the, I think the willingness um, from from NASCAR to step outside the norm, uh, want to shake the schedule up, mix the schedule up, and uh, deliver it in a big way with uh, with 
allowing us to put dirt back on Bristol. So if I understand the rule changes correct, each car will have a bucket of moonshine in the back. <laughs> yes. And if you spill we, a drop, we, you're we, out. We are returning truly to the roots of racing. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. Got it. I'm, I'm making sure I'm tracking there. Cool. Well, we're excited about those things here locally. Uh, we're excited to be back after a couple weeks off to be talking NFL, NCAA, NBA, a few fun things with our producer Layton this week. Uh, you, you know, we took a look before the show at some of the numbers that this show has done over the last few weeks. And we're just really want to take a moment because we're super thankful for all of you out there that are watching this show, that are listening to it, that are sharing it, because this is a steadily growing thing. I think we're up to the sixth largest sports podcast in the local area. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're cruising, cruising this that's, week. That's good when there's only six. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no place to go but up. Top that's 10. Right. Yeah. We're, we're working our way up. So, guys, we got a huge week uh, in the NFL. Actually, the last couple weeks in the NFL have been crazy. Brad, where would you even start with unpacking this last couple of weeks of the NFL? Well, um, it just, it's the same old story. It's the Falcons collapsing. You know, they're known for their epic collapse in the Super Bowl. And then here we are, same thing. Historically bad, right? Yep. First yep. team in the fourth quarter to blow two fourth quarter 15 point leads ever in the history since they've been keeping and score. the ways they're doing it too. the Dallas game going back a couple of weeks everything from from the onside kick to uh, um, just absolutely not being able to play pass defense against Dak Prescott and those receivers and and really the same way with uh, fourth quarter foals coming in uh, with the Bears and absolutely obliterating their secondary. Is that your new quarterback, Nick Foles? Absolutely. No question. No. <laughs> well, I'm, you I'm, broke up with Mitch in a hurry. Oh, it was it was uh, <laughs> it was a no doubter. I mean, from from week one and and you know, he pulls the miracle comeback in week one against Detroit, uh subpar uh game against the Giants and then you know, gets benched and we we bring Foles in to to get it rolling. Well, there's clearly an argument that he's better from that position. It's almost like a six-man in the NBA. Like, he seems to play better coming off of a bench role. Yeah, it, and it just – Trubisky, the, it, it was time. Writing's on. Writing's been on the wall for more than two seasons now, and if he wasn't a the number two overall pick, that, that move or a move like that would have been done a long time ago. Brad, what about your Tennessee Titans? Yours and mine, I guess. Well, leading the way in communicable disease story. We're we're at three and zero, which is good. You know what? Three games, uh, a total of what six point differential. Mm -hmm. But in the NFL, you take your wins when you can get them. You can win them close. So, but uh, obviously, looking forward to the game this weekend with the Steelers, and then all of a sudden, the one team in the NFL that comes down with COVID is our time. You hate to be the first one because you get all the memes. Right. It, I mean, not, you know, not to not to downplay any of the severity of the issue, but I, I think Titans fans are frustrated. Steelers, the, the Steelers team has been incredibly frustrated. We were talking a little bit pre-show about Eric Ebron came out and said the Steelers shouldn't be held at fault for changing the schedule because of something that happened with the Titans. I don't, I don't know how you adjust to that. Yeah, I, I, you know. I thought it was interesting that, you know, the, the Titans weren't even going to be back in the facility until Saturday. 
And there was still talk of playing that game up until there was a few more outbreaks that happened. Um, I mean, that was that was going to be the ultra ultra experiment to see if you can if you can zoom call your team and position meetings and get your game plan submitted and then just then just roll into the stadium and play. Could you imagine doing that at Louisville? Would that have ever happened? That type of thing. <sighs> you know, technology from twenty five years ago is not what it is now. <laughs> we're we're but, faxing. You know, getting getting the getting the game plans together. And here's the thing: if 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 they go out and would have played well and won. I mean, can you imagine the the players would say, we don't need practice. Uh, yeah. That's the old Allen Iverson. Talking about a game. About practice. <laughs> but so. I just, you know, they're, they're talking right now about a Monday or Tuesday game. I mm-hmm. just wonder how much that will really help. I think they came out and said that after the next, they, they had two more positive tests that came out, I think, yesterday. Okay. And they pushed it out. Today. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. So they pushed it out from week four. But now the argument is that they're going to move it to – they're going to change by weeks. Week seven and week eight. I think they're talking about trying to squeeze that in week seven around some bye weeks. Uh, it just makes you wonder if they should have built additional like cushion bye weeks in. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I, we've talked about it on the show. I think everybody's learning how to approach this. But th- there's you know clearly a need for some flexibility in scheduling and, and infrastructure there. Yeah, um, I don't know. You know, you look at the baseball model and how they have – you know, my St. Louis Cardinals, how they're, they are they made the playoffs, but, I mean, they missed a big chunk of the season early on uh, through this. Baseball adjusted and adapted, you know, seven-inning doubleheaders, things of that nature, and were able to make up games. I don't know how you do that in the NFL. You can't play a, you can't play a half. No, no know? back-to-backs either, so, right. Uh, be interesting to see how it plays out. Brad, do you have an MVP at this point in the season? You've got to go, Mahomes. But – you listen to the radio and everybody's all about some Russell Wilson. Oh, he's cooking. Yeah, Isn't that the yeah. thing? I'm, I'm, I'm on the Russ boat at the moment. As impressive as Mahomes has been, uh, Russ is he's, – he's, he's taken the passing game to another level in the Seahawks offense. I mean, they've always been a run first, play action, uh, mixing a little bit of Russell magic uh, with his feet. And now it's – they've just <laughs> – They've unleashed uh, Metcalf and Lockett and, I mean, five touchdowns a game for the last two games. Both great. Uh, 14, 14 on the year. I mean, it's just incredible numbers. And I think that's what you've, you're you going to have to have for both of those teams. The offensive production is going to have to be there to compete with each other when they eventually yeah. – I mean, if they, if they meet. So let's talk about a few other teams that could meet in the Super Bowl, could make it at this point in the year. We've got some front runners – Greg, including your Chicago Bears, are they legit? Are they contenders or are they pretenders? Let's talk about it a little bit. Let's start with those Bears, Greg. Are yeah, they contenders I, or pretenders? I am going, I am going to take my, uh, my Bears um, fandom and set it aside. But I, I do think in that division – they could uh, they could still win that division or make the playoffs. That division right now, Green Bay is the is is out in front. You know, three and O. Rodgers is playing out of his mind. Where they're going to be limited is is their their receivers are dropping like flies. You know, Adams has been out last week. I think he might be able to play this week. Lazard, uh, you know, so they're going to be shifting to a you know to more what they were last year with a run first team. So I don't know how long their longevity um, can can last. Um, so I think the Bears can can still have a shot in that. What about Brad? Your Arizona Cardinals. I have them down as my favorite and best uh, two and one team, and 
uh, here we are, though, last week losing to the Lions. Um, <laughs> Go out and prove you wrong. I know. But I'm still going to stay on uh, board with them. I like what Kyler Murray and uh, Hopkins are doing together. So they're a contender. Yep, without a doubt. All right, Greg, I'm coming back to you. The Pittsburgh Steelers at 3-0. and I think I think uh, I think contender. Um, you look at that division. The Ravens losing last week. Uh, Big Ben week one, you know, shook off shook off some rust, but uh, but played well and has played well. Revived that passing game. Um, got uh, got a, a deep core of receivers out there. Uh, Connor, when healthy, has looked good. So yeah, um, definitely contender. All legit so far. All right, Brad, what about the head-scratching gunslinger Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, who are you, also 3-0? You know, we look at the 3-0 and teams, and you got a lot of them there that are true contenders. And I'm picking the Bills over the Patriots in the AFC East Whoa. this year. Yep. Uh, Josh Allen's coming into his own, and I think this is the, the year that he makes that stride to an elite quarterback. That's a big prediction. I like where I like where they're going. I'm not ready to crown them yet. I mean, when you look, um, wins over the Jets, Miami, and and a comeback win against the Rams. Um, the Rams win was nice. The Rams have have come out and exceeded my expectations on on where I thought they would be. But uh, I'm I'm going to put the Bills in a wait and see category at the moment. I've I've always been a Stephon Diggs fan, mm-hmm. and He's, you you take him away from the Vikings and they're zero and three, and then yep. you put him on the Bills and all of a sudden three and zero. He great, seems to be the missing point. piece. Yep, right. Great point. So. That's exactly. John Brown can slide more into that. Uh, accessory piece. Um, you know, he's got a couple of touchdowns on the year already, but but uh, Diggs is Diggs is proven to 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 be a difference maker. Speaking of accessories, the Las Vegas Raiders quarterback was rumored to have permanent uh, eye mascara, like tattooed eye mascara. David Carr. It, rumored, rumored, <laughs> rumored. But does that make David Carr and the Raiders at two and one, Greg, a contender or pretender? Until last week, I thought they may have have. Uh, I think Gruden uh, was thinking Gruden might have worked his magic, but uh, but last week after that loss, um, came came back down to earth in a big way in my eyes. Are you selling on the Raiders at this point? I am selling. <clears throat> uh, the 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 uh, the you know the win against New Orleans was was huge, but uh, I think New Orleans has proven to to have taken a couple of steps back. Um, so I, I I'm. I'm I'm pretender on on the. I was a little Las frustrated that the the new stadium, the eternal flame at the new stadium, is basically just strobe lights. Like it's not even <laughs> a real flame. Like I, I mean, come on, at least go real fire if you're doing that. Uh, Brad, I'm going to hit you with the last one on your side: the three and O Tennessee Titans, contender or pretender with no bias. We got to get that defense working. You know, I don't understand. We have so much talent. You bring in Clowney, and we're. Teams are just putting tons of yards on us. I think it's the middle. It seems like Jarrell Casey and the middle of that defense have really been the gap that has not put them in. You know, I don't even think they need to be elite at this point, which is strange to say for a Titans team that used to be anemic on offense. I think that at this point, if you could just have a serviceable defense, you'd be okay. But it seems like the middle of that defense where Jarrell Casey was doesn't have the same power that it used to. 100% agree. All right, Greg, last one for you. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two and one, contender or pretender? Oh, I think I think contender. Um, rolling in Brady uh, after that week one um, showing against New Orleans uh, looked has looked much better in weeks two and three. I think that that uh, 
Um, again, him him learning Arian's system and vice versa, I think that that could roll in. I think in that division, um, definitely contender. As, again, as New Orleans has proven out, while while they have the win, the early win on Tampa, uh, New Orleans is not proven to be typical Saints level. Right. All right, so we're going to flip the script on this one. Now we're going to do our Kanye West and look for gold diggers. So we're looking for teams that are in the basement right now of their respective divisions that could still have a shot. What team, Brad, is your gold digger that will be hopefully at the top of the table at the end of the year? Well, being in the same division as the Titans, I'm not going to say I hope they're uh, at the top, but you cannot count out the 0-3 Texans. Okay. Deshaun's just a a special talent, and even with not having Hopkins, they're going to turn it around somehow, I think. They seem to figure it out towards the end of the year, too. That's a theme for them. What do you got, Greg? I will – I'll go with one here. Um, I'm going Lions. Um when you look at it, you know, again, they could be a two and one team right now with a, a, um, uh, that last second loss to Chicago in week one, uh, a loss to, to a red hot Green Bay team with all their weapons, and then they beat Arizona last week. I think, uh, Stafford, uh, they've, um, they've been hurt a little bit at receiver. I think coming back and the point that I made earlier in that division, and if Chicago does not prove to be for real, mm-hmm. uh, Green Bay's injuries, uh, I think the Lions can surge at the right time um, and make a run in that division. Another another interesting team, Cincinnati Bengals. Hey, <laughs> uh, do you have you, you you have it on the list? I sure I'm sorry do. if I jumped the gun. No, I, you're I good. Broadway Joe no. 2.0. So, you know, it's a team. It's a team that you know they tied Philly last week. But they've had heartbreakers in weeks one and two as well. Burrow has played well. Yep, I, I liken it back to almost to like Manning in those Col- that that rookie year of the Colts. He he was throwing picks left and right, figured it out, and then they started surging, and then you know created something. He's got enough offensive talent around him with Mixon and Boyd and AJ Green. Um, and they say that about co- they say that about college teams, but I think it applies to the pros too. In the development of a program, you start getting beat big. You move to close losses, you move to close wins, and then you move to you know a a, a good team. And I think that's where the Bengals are right now too. I think are. that they're losing close or tying like they did last week, but I think they've got a shot. Burrow just seems to have that moxie. I mean, he's proven it at LSU. He, he's you know so so far at least. His own personal play playing well. Um, I, I don't think it's a, a hard stretch for them to to figure a few things out as the season progresses. Because there's 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 right now, you know, when you're you're three weeks in, and there's so many teams as we go through this contender pretender that could easily have their record flip from a one and two team to a two and one team to three and zero teams that you know a Bears example could be one and two. So it's. It's interesting. Get, give this another two or three week play, and we revisit this conversation. And um, I'm, I'm sure the the conversation will change quite a bit in just a few weeks' time. Are you, well, got, are you giving these guys any chance of being a 500 team this year? I think so. Yeah, and I, it, it's completely misguided because the Cincinnati Bengals always seem to find a way to just um, defecate the bed. But that that is a serious team that I think might be able to get back to uh, 500 just based on how they're trending. I I think they're good. Uh, Greg, we got a late breaking news from the waiver wire on the huddle 
fantasy draft. <laughs> Brad wanted me to propose a trade hey, live on the show. We got a trade right here. A live <laughs> trade. Right, so love trade We're dealing. We're going straight into the GM room here All as right, Brad I, is going to propose a trade. Live, live action. So, you, you know, uh, on Brad's team, you've got Lamar Jackson. So, wait, which one of your 14 teams <laughs> is this coming from? He's got a lot no, of capital. One, this is the one that uh, is, is one and two okay. and is getting beat by okay. the uh, auto-drafted. Gotcha. Okay. okay. The real um, is winning. I've got Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm needing to get rid of one of them because I'm needing okay. a running back or receiver. So I'm offering Russell Wilson for Hopkins. A list trade. I've got to see. I've got Cam and Breeze. <laughs> My points exactly. You got an <laughs> MVP, but you trust Lamar to take you all the way. Uh, yes. Okay. Wow. It, because the fantasy season doesn't take place in the playoffs, yes. There's some real wheeling and dealing going on here. See now if this if this if you if this offer was on the table two weeks ago. <laughs> let's see here. Hmm. The entire tens of audience members no, are, are, are waiting in anticipation. Oh, suspenseful. <laughs> we got five people watching. I'm one yeah. of them. Uh, in my heart, I want Lamar, but I think I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to decline. Oh, the, uh, so you would take Lamar for Hopkins? No. So, oh. I, really, even even Russ at this point. Um, what what's your receiver situation? A bunch you got, of you got, a, you got a you got a receiver that you could throw my way. <sighs> Maybe some scrub action. Um, not. The, I mean. I got Godwin and Thomas. I got Devonte Adams and Hopkins right now with uh, with Edelman as my backup. I could throw a flex player at you. You could cut the tension with a knife here in the Market Street <laughs> Studios. These five people are going crazy right now. <laughs> All right, we'll have to revisit off air. All right, that right. sounds like we're being tabled like a like a savvy GM. It seems like neither one of you are willing to make a rash decision. Mm-hmm. I I appreciate that about you. All right, boys, let's move on to some college football. Uh, We had a big couple weeks to start the season off, starting off with the news that two of the Power Five conferences in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are back. Greg, what does that mean for the college football landscape? It's huge. Um, I think the Big Ten will be able to salvage enough of a season to be, uh, you know, in the big picture discussion. I'm not sure with, you know, Pac-12 – Rolling into November, if if they can if they can play enough games to even be considered uh, for anything in 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 playoff uh, in the playoff realm, do you think they would have checked that with the playoff committee to confirm that they would have been like essentially eligible? To I don't even in the, in the Pac-12's mind. I don't just, I don't even know if that if that if that was a they don't care. Yeah, yeah. a factor. Yeah, uh, as they just looking for almond milk sponsorships. Yeah, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> some, maybe some soy milk. All right. Um, so I, I don't know if that's, but it, the Big Ten. I think they'll be rolling here in a few more weeks, and uh, you know the SEC got kicked off last week. A uh, couple of couple of other teams, uh, Cincinnati's of the world, have looked good early on. So um, we'll we'll at least have a much more representative. A pool of teams to choose from when selecting the top 25. Yeah, Brad, you and I went out to Norman, Oklahoma a few years ago for a Sooners Volunteers game. Were you happy to see the Sooners tumble a little bit from grace early in the season? 
Oh yeah, you know, a little bit of revenge. Uh, that was a big night. That was the night I asked your dad if I could uh, propose to your sister. Yeah, in Norman, in, Oklahoma, in yeah. the midst of nice. a LSU Tennessee game, nice. where Dad was clearly focused on Brad's future engagement. He's like, yeah, whatever, Brad. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will I'm, I'm say, the game. I will say, going back to to playing days, the uh, Norman, Oklahoma, this the way the stadium is uh, is configured. We literally would come off the sidelines. Be drawing up offensive line plays and corrections mm-hmm. with the student section, <laughs> literally where this window is right here. And they'd be saying, that won't work. That won't work. That won't work. Uh, so just the, the intimidating nature of that sideline um, was was probably my my favorite place to play. That's a neat environment. How do you think some of those envi- – you know, the big – argument has been you know how has the home field advantage changed in this you know limited fan base environment right now it particularly these cathedrals of football in the sec it doesn't seem like there's that same you know deafening atmosphere that's throwing games off late greg you seen the same thing yeah the only thing from a home field advantage is is the travel aspect that's the only thing that that i see the fake crowd noise is just you know um is is not not doing the trick but you know you look at their notre dame games and you know they're they're having you know 20 plus thousand people there uh, and making a difference in their stadium so um it's just it's uh, when you get you get rolling in in the SEC schedule I, I wonder down the road um you know how many of these stadiums can start um um, opening up to more and more fans, you know, as we get six, seven, eight weeks down the road. Mm-hmm. Brad, you got any great college football or football in general fall traditions to kick off the season? Well, you know, when when I was younger, uh, obviously tailgating at Tennessee, um, just your your general stuff. But with kids now and uh, not going to a lot of live games, it's more or less come Wednesday or Thursday. I keep her money, my wife. Come Saturday and Sunday, all I'm doing is, you know, is hanging out downstairs. Groundwork. So. so you're doing groundwork. That's smart. Exactly. Greg, what about you? You got any good traditions? I, I, no traditions. Uh, it's It's been nice. Now the kids, my both my kids are in a little different stage of life than both of yours. And, and so just being able to immerse myself back into football on a Saturday and Sunday again has been nice. Instead of just catching glimpses or catching scores here and there, uh, you know, Daughter used to was in the the travel softball world, so weekends were 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 prime. My son uh, weekend uh, you know sporting events. Now his games are through the week, so it's it's nice to have your weekends back uh, come football season. Yeah, the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse still takes precedence in my house sometimes on the TV, even on a Saturday mm-hmm. or Sunday. So catching catching Hulu on the phone. Huh? Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> I have to say, oh toodles to whatever game is on, <laughs> guys. All right, so let's talk a little bit bit about uh, our last big sports segment. The NBA Finals are on. It's obviously a different time of year. It's a different uh, expectation than what we put out there early on in our projections. Uh, the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers are competing. Lakers are up one nothing. Uh, what, what's been the big surprise for you, Brad, about this Finals or what's been enjoyable about watching it? Well, obviously the Heat and we've talked about them in weeks past uh, really looking like a college team and working together uh, versus the the two-star system they have in L.A. But um, just the way they handed it to the Celtics was p- quite impressive. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, it's been such a good story in the bubble to, to see the heat emerge. And then we have all these injuries the other night. So, 
Yeah, I just don't know they're going to have enough left. But at the same token, don't don't count out the heat. I mean, it's you know there's still games to be played, but uh, a couple of huge injuries. Uh, Dragic, Bam going down was a glue guy, mm-hmm. um, and then even Butler, um, you know, tweaking his ankle. Yeah, it's not something he's going to be 100 percent on the rest of the series. Still a statement for that organization, though, and they I think they've taken a lot of pride. They they showed a picture of Eric Spolstra. I want to say 15 years or so ago as a video editor for the Miami Heat and to have worked his way up from that position all the way into arguably one of the best head coaches in the league is pretty awesome. You know, there was a, a story I was watching with uh, with Pat Riley's career too. I mean, that guy, um, you know, from from – you know the Lakers Showtime days to the you know the the Knicks and uh, really the last time they were relevant to to what he's done with the Heat. I mean, just what a what a amazing career that, that that he's been able to put together. So we're a LeBron book club podcast here. Obviously, do we think that this if he has the opportunity to close this one out, does this put him in that Jordan category? Are we saying or are we still is the vote still out there for LeBron? <sighs> What's his record in the NBA Finals? Is it three and five or something? Something five hundred. Yeah, average. I think there's more work to do. Even you know, because what was Jordan six and one or? Did he, Jordan's did he, Jordan never lost. Never the lost the final. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, still work uh, there, there's done. more work to do. What about you, Greg? You think he's still? Working? Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm such a MJ fan, and uh, the Bulls were my team back in the '90s. So it's hard it's hard for me to 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 give up to give up the throne, not to put him in the discussion. It I would think, have to yes. be definitive, yes. is what you're saying. Um, he would have to go on another three or four, you know, title run to um, I think to make it definitive. Still work to be done, and we're well, running out of time. There's still work to be done on this podcast, and any time that we've got a lot of heavy lifting to do, we bring on Leighton, our producer, for a super segment. Uh, We've actually got Leighton for a a couple minutes this afternoon to talk about a few different things. So while Leighton's teeing up, and hey, Leighton, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here. We'll we'll set the table for this one a little bit. So in in the midst of our – uh, fantasy football draft and, and this group kind of coming together as a as a league as well as a as a show. Uh, we found that mild mannered Layton has a has a dark side. Layton has a tendency to really go after the trash talk. Uh, Layton, explain yourself. Look, man, I grew up on the mean streets of Tampa, Florida, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I didn't grow up soft. Um, Living in the suburbs here in Johnson City, Tennessee, has uh, has softened me a little bit. But I'm a I'm a city kid, so you gotta you gotta have a big mouth. Deep down, we can really we can really see some heat there. I mean, here's the thing, you know, the whole gig was Leighton was supposed to auto draft. I mean, he came, he came in strong, guns blazing on the on the draft. Was prepared, had several good picks. Uh, you know, his 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 maybe cooled off a little bit on on the field of fantasy football, but still a viable contender. Uh, I have him this week, uh, but he has definitely taken the early season crown of trash. Has he been kind to you? Did he send you like a horse head in your bed? I haven't gotten anything yet. Yet. (laughs) That's right. It's our week. It's our week. You and me, big Craig. Um, So just, just wait. I I do a lot of research. Um, The way you guys prep for the draft is how I prep for my weekly trash talk. And so I'm digging through old Facebook photos. I'm I'm trying to find deep insecurities. Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't it, you come in my vest? It could get really personal, <laughs> and that's just you know my the way psychologist. That... <laughs> <laughs> so, in honor of of Layton's clearly sociopathic tendencies yeah. here, we're going to get into a little bit of uh, a, a, a survey of the greatest sports trash talkers of all time for our producer segment. So, the way that we've got this one laid out, each of us is going to. Name a runner-up, so your silver medalist of greatest trash talker mm-hmm. of all time, and then your award winner. So, Greg, let's hit it. Who's your runner-up trash talker oh, of all time? runner-up. Runner-up. I'll go, I'll go uh, Larry Legend, Larry Bird. I can't think of a single bad thing he's ever said. Oh, he was the he was one of the ultimate like <laughs> sly trash talkers. Okay, I saw one, I saw a Larry Bird quote today because I was doing a little research for this. Um, and he said, you know, the guy was interviewing him. He's kind of looking around the 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 stadium or whatever, and they go like, "What are you looking for?" He's like, "I'm looking for who's going to finish second." I mean, it's it's that kind of thing, and it's it was that Subtlety. quiet confidence. But he 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 would he would be trash talking on the court like no other. But here here's. It's more like what Leighton was referring to. You remember the three-point uh, shooting contest mm-hmm. when he threw, he put the money ball up. It left his hand as his fingers going up as he's walking <laughs> off the court, like you know, a full second or two before the thing splashes the net. That's so it pretty was just, epic. It was the swag yeah. and everything, the hick from French Lick. You had to pick um, an Indiana boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, had to, had to go back. Do to you guys roots. think that trash talking was more intense back in the day when you couldn't settle things on Twitter? Oh, yes. It's, cra- it's crazy. When I look at just, you know, tr- trying to brainstorm greatest trash talkers, and yeah, it's like there's only, I don't even know who my newest one is. <laughs> Richard Sherman. <laughs> He's pretty good. Yeah. So, but it's kind of like reading those old letters from like the Civil War. Like they were really good at it back then, where you had to be mad enough yeah, to write a letter yeah. and mail it. <laughs> send it on horseback for three, four hours. Right. <laughs> you had to think about your your Not trash talk. <laughs> Brad, who's your runner up from the Civil War? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go Reggie Miller. Yeah. Oh, Goodness, yeah. the way yeah. he would get under people on the court back in the day. And you know, you knew when it came fourth quarter, it was winning time. So you got to back it up too, and and Reggie always did that. Yep. So Layton. Yeah, I don't have a. I've got one that I think I feel like will be a, a strong number one, and so I, I didn't do any research on a runner up. So I'm okay. just gonna I'm gonna pass this time. All right. So my runner up, uh, I'm keeping with the NBA theme, and I'm really doing this because of one circumstance with this individual. He had a thousand. But Rashid Wallace is one of my favorite trash talkers of all time. And it really boils down to a video that came out. I want to say it was in the early 2000s where Rashid got his first technical. And Rashid was always famous for Mm -hmm. getting a technical and then getting an immediate subsequent Mm -hmm. technical because he did something stupid to compound the first thing. And I think, Greg, you've made this point. Trash talk versus ref talk and getting thrown out is not always, you know, that, that might be a disqualifier. In some in some circles, but she'd got the technical was standing on the sideline. The guy that was shooting the free throws for the technical missed and Rashid yelled some of my favorite words in sports history. Ball don't lie. (laughs) (laughs) And he got his same technical and got thrown out. And to this day, my favorite thing, whenever something does not go my way and then takes a positive turn, I love saying ball don't lie. So for that reason, Sheed is my runner-up. Greg, hit me with your champion. Uh, I'm I'm going going 
some Louisville roots here. Muhammad Ali. Ooh. Oh, nice. I mean, if, if there if there was somebody that did it any better, let me know. And, I, and you guys will. You, you, you <laughs> took mine, actually. That's who I had. Oh, we're well. three for yeah. three. Yeah. Right. Layton? I feel like this is going to be a, a good reveal then. Okay. How do we have a, a conversation about sports trash talk, especially in Johnson City, Tennessee, without dropping the name Steve Spurrier? Mm-hmm. Just a legend. <laughs> That's fair. A legend. Uh, loved getting under the skin of uh, University of Tennessee in particular. This will be the 14th time I've coached in Neyland Stadium. I've coached there more than some of their head coaches. <laughs> that's pretty good. Can't um, spell citrus. citrus without, without <laughs> and that's the classic. Like that's the that's the iconic one. Yeah. Uh, beats Kentucky 54 to three in October of 2011 and says, "Well, I mean, they've got a hell of a punter." That's <laughs> like, <laughs> just like it's on another level. They ask him what it's like the weekly grind of the NFL, and he goes. Um, well, there's no Vanderbilts in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> He's still getting his digs no, in weeks from off. the NFL. It's unreal. He's so listen, yeah. listen to Spence. Uh, forever ago, Leighton was starting studio. This is January, February. And I asked him, I said, who would be your dream interview one day on a podcast? And Steve Spurrier was who he picked. There it is. All right, yeah. boys. <laughs> coach, <laughs> if you're out there. Coach. I love call, his – he used to get after the uh, the Georgia game in a similar way where he would say, I like playing them early in the year because they've always got a couple guys that have been kicked off the team. <laughs> <Still> <laughs> yeah. So I also had Muhammad Ali as my number one, and I wrote down my favorite quote from Muhammad Ali in the trash talk of all time. And I think it's worth sharing with you gentlemen. I've wrestled with an alligator. I've tussled with a whale. I've done handcuff lightning and throw thunder in jail. I'm bad. Last week, I murdered a rock. I injured a stone. I hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. <laughs> that's <laughs> not, poetry. Not the, not, exactly. Really I mean, that's Shakespeare. The creativity right and, and, and coming out, um, you know, when he did and, and the, the uh, social, social justice movement that he was involved in back in the 60s and 70s. It just, it, I mean, again, we talked about Jordan being an icon, but. Um, as popular as Jordan is, Ali was just even at another level. And he set the foundation for Tyson, for Conor McGregor, for all these people that yeah. we look up to as, you know, I- iconic fighters. I mean, Ali was the first to do the head game ahead of the yep. the, the match. Guys, thanks for your for your trash talk, Leighton. We'll look forward I'm to out. some yeah. some awesome hits this week. Uh, we've got a new segment that's going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to uh, tell you a little bit about. So. We are fans of other podcasts on this show, uh, particularly as it is spooky season. Uh, I've been listening to a show called The Scaredy Cats Horror Show, where they try and take a podcast host who is not a horror movie fan from an easy-to-watch horror movie all the way to, you know, we would say more challenging, more difficult horror movies to watch. So, boys, I'm going to kick off the Meathead Movie Matinee in the next few weeks where we will talk about some of the most critical sports movies to watch for a non-sports fan. Either one of you got a couple off the top of your head to think you got to watch? Hmm. I will go with... uh... I, I think I think from an iconic sports movie, you have to have that team speech. So maybe maybe you just carve up those, you know, the, the two or three minute highlight like from super each of cut? these movies. You know, did Dirty Dancing have an inspirational <laughs> speech? <laughs> so I think you go with something like uh, 
you know, any given Sunday That's in the speech one. there uh, is 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 amazing by Al Pacino. Um, you go with something, uh, something. Um, uh, me in the NASCAR world, uh, it's not really a pregame speech, but Days of Thunder. Um, and then I'll probably again harken back to my uh, Indiana roots and go with Hoosiers. There you go, Brad. You got any uh, previews that we've got to get linked in on this thing? I'm going to remember the Titans. Always a good choice. Yeah, another good speech too. Yep. Cool guys. Well, uh, we're wrapping up our our segments. We're getting to the end of the show. Greg, you got us a yeoman this week. I do have a yeoman. This this uh, with with our show being delayed last week. This is really a little more topical for last week, but still applies. Typically, a yeoman is a is an unsung hero. You know, somebody in the trenches, just you know, going about their business. Not much fanfare. Uh, this week's yeoman uh, is somebody that is the complete polar opposite of that, and probably. Probably deserves to be in our Trash Talk Hall of Fame, but Deion Sanders, All right. <laughs> recent head coach of Jackson State, alma mater of Walter Payton. There you go. Really has not been much uh, much relevancy in that program since Walter Payton played there. But I got to say, uh, Deion getting hired there, I, I can't help but think this is some sort of barstool sports reality show that's mm-hmm. going to be spun off here. Uh, if you saw the introductory press conference, it looked like I was watching Coming to America 2. <laughs> it was short of every, it had the, the, the Cadillac Escalade parade. Yeah. Uh, everybody rolled out, and I was expecting to see the rose petals be thrown at yeah. his feet as he walked. And then he, got, then he goes to the press conference, and he's got the Jackson State coat on with the, and ripped whips it open has got the matching liner so it was just like boomerang with the you got to coordinate you telling me Dion did something flashy so i just <laughs> i you know the rumors of his staff having to and warren sap uh uh i just i can't wait to see what this train wreck uh just absolutely evolves into and i hope it's all documented somewhere that i can watch on a so on not a your usual basis. grit and grind yeoman but definitely putting in the work down there hey he, he's got to be putting in some work down at jackson <laughs> state but but you know he was there were rumors of the florida state job last year so you know he he, he does have it he's he's uh offensive coordinator of his son's uh son's team mm-hmm. so he's you know he's he's been he's been bit by the coaching bug as well so um um this week's yeoman Deion sanders nice brad who's your peak performer of the week this week I am going to go with Patrick Mahomes, 385-yard uh, passing day, uh, uh, Monday Night Football. Four passing touchdowns, one rushing against a uh, last year's MVP, Lamar Jackson, who I didn't realize this stat, but uh, Lamar coming into this game this week was 21-1 and as a starter in the regular season. Wow. So uh, – that, I think four four losses and three of them are to Kansas City, something right, like that. Right, Yeah. So definitely, I mean, Lamar said it, his kryptonite. And future dad, Patrick Mahomes, announced he was having a baby yep. this week. Did you all see the meme this week for <laughs> baby Lamar? Yeah, <laughs> yeah clearly. He is his daddy. Hopefully dominating, uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson again. Boys, you got a spotlight? I got one for you if you don't have one. Roll it out for us. All right, I'm continuing a theme here. Uh, This is in appreciation of all things Appalachia, even though the cast of this movie were nowhere near Appalachian. Netflix has a new movie out called Devil All the Time. It is not a palate cleanser. It is not family friendly. It is gritty and 
you know, gut-wrenching at times. Tom Holland, who played Spider-Man, Robert Pattinson, who's done some awesome things as a as an actor here lately, Bill Sarsgaard, who played Pennywise in It, all put out haunting performances in this story about um I, I don't even know where to start with it. I mean, re- religion and betrayal and living in an underprivileged place in the mountains. It is just crazy. It's a, it's a crazy movie and worth the watch. So that's our, uh, that that's our cultural spotlight for this week. Uh, we're hitting the Netflix stuff hard, looking for some, uh, some sponsorship there, I think from the Netflix crew, <laughs> <laughs> we got to get a family friendly one, maybe. All right. So we're going to, uh, wrap up our show today. We'll, uh, Keep everybody posted on the outcomes of our uh, GM trades <laughs> and Layton's trash talk. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for being with us on the huddle. <coughs> Do you need to cough so bad? <coughs> three for three on Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Over the top didn't make the list. For hey, it was on. It was oh, on my list. Oh yeah. Man, here's here's my full on sports list. This was just a quick rundown. Rocky, mm-hmm. Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, Miracle, Hoosiers, Caddyshack, mm-hmm. Bad News Bears, Happy Gilmore, Karate Kid. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Over the top. That's a Rudy Talladega Nights, Major League Days of Thunder, Major League. Uh, my favorite football movie, The Program. That's a good one. I like the Indy Given Sunday speech, too. Yeah, the speech, the speech, I didn't love the movie when I first saw it. It's mm-hmm. grown on me over the years, but the speech, 